Welcome to We Got This Covered's Cinemaholics, the weekly movie review talk show where critics and fans finally unite to discuss the biggest and best films coming to theaters. We're not just fans, we're not just critics, we're Cinemaholics. Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, the official podcast of WeGotThisCovered.com. I'm John Agroni from the Internet, California, and from the Internet, Pennsylvania, he's a pop culture writer for Cinema Blend and a freelance writer for the playlist, cut print film, and many more. It's Will Ashton. Hey there. Well, you know, it's just the two of us this week, and we're doing a bit of a later episode. Yeah. Um, it's all my fault. I A lot of things happened this weekend, and we had to push this one, but it's still coming out. I mean, you know, it's the hotly anticipated new Melissa McCarthy comedy, so... We wanted to keep the listeners in mm-hmm. hot anticipation oh, yes. for this this release. The emails just they didn't stop coming yesterday <laughs> when we uh, we didn't drop this new episode. Right. But uh, here it is, and uh, uh, as you've alluded to, we are doing a Melissa McCarthy comedy as our featured review, uh, Life of the Party. No spoilers. Uh, we're also going to be covering a lot of other stuff. So if you're not interested in Life of the Party, and uh, you know whatever if you're whatever you're into you're into uh we we have other things we're going to be talking about i'm really excited for example to talk about cobra kai in our mini reviews that's the new uh continuation of the karate kid uh films from the 80s uh, as a new series on youtube uh so we're gonna be talking about that that's i i already watched the entire season and will you've seen a couple of episodes so i'm like uh, that conversation i'm stoked for uh, we're also talking about Breaking In, the new film starring Gabrielle Union that came out this weekend. Uh, Will's going to be talking about an indie movie called Terminal. And uh, I'm going to be uh, doing a wrap-up on my thoughts on Dear White People Season 2 because I finished that uh, finished that season on Netflix. So we we got plenty to talk about. So let's jump into our off-topics real quick. Uh, obviously, if you're clued into film at the moment, the big topic right now, of course, Will, is uh, Cannes Film Festival. Uh, this is, uh, as we, I think we declared or uh, we kind of compromised on a few weeks ago, it's the most prestigious film festival in the world, right? Yeah, I mean, I guess it depends on what you're looking for in a film festival. But as far as like world cinema is concerned, Cannes is like the premier destination. For sure. A lot of a lot of great films premiere at this festival. Uh, a lot of good ones come out. And uh, I think Solo came out uh, a couple days ago uh, for Cannes, or is it about to? I forget. Yeah, I, I don't know exactly when it's premiering. I know it is premiering at the Cannes Film Festival, which is pretty mm-hmm. bizarre to me, but they have a weird history to begin yeah, with. So. <laughs> it gets weird. Um, I will say that uh, I'm actually going to see Solo in a couple of hours. So yeah, uh, we'll talk about that next week, maybe uh, briefly. We'll do some brief reactions to that movie and uh, will you you saw deadpool 2 already and uh yeah yeah is the embargo up for you already i don't know i think i'm technically still embargoed until like you're out of uh solo so that's Mm -hmm. i i'm playing it safe i think i'm allowed to say something on social media but they told me not to so yeah yeah well you know i i was listening to a podcast and i won't out them but uh it was a pretty prominent movie podcast and one of the uh the guests saw deadpool 2 and this was on friday and on friday this individual who will both of you and i both know uh talked about did some early reactions gave a very brief like here's what they thought of the movie so we we won't risk it you know we don't want to get uh put on any lists so that's deadpool 2 yeah that's gonna be our next episode so with these things i played safe than sorry so yeah I'll hold off for now, but I mean, you'll know sooner than later what I think of Deadpool 2. But yeah, it's weird that we uh, we have these high profile releases and now we're just going to talk about this comedy. It really isn't getting much yeah. notoriety or attention, but kind of keeping these close to our chest. I know. Yeah. I, I I wish I could have seen Deadpool 2 uh, the same day. They, they put it at a weird time, the screenings. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to catch it uh, at the uh, the Thursday preview and we'll talk about it on We'll talk about it this weekend. It's going to be fun. Okay. And uh, we'll, also, we'll also talk more about the Cannes Film Festival once it's complete. There's a lot to get into, but uh, I think the big stuff going on right now is uh, some some smaller films. I know not everyone's a big fan of Gaspar Noe. I don't know if – I don't remember if we ever talked about his his uh, previous film, Love. But uh, we'll, we'll have to talk about that. Once the festival's over, we'll have a whole section. Yeah, I watched it. And The uh, only one of his I've seen is Air <sighs> the Void, which I like a lot. 
Um, I'm a big fan of Enter the Void, but I haven't seen his other ones. I've heard mixed things about Love, so I'm not quite sure where you stand on that one. We should we should switch places then. I can watch Enter the Void, and you can watch Love. And oh, I, you haven't seen Enter the Void? No, and I, I <laughs> sounds like I should because I love oof, that. That was that was hard to watch, man. That was just yeah. Um, I would say, I mean, there's a lot of good things about Enter the Void. I would say it has probably the best opening credits I've ever seen in a movie. Okay, okay. Uh, and we should say we're talking about Gaspar Noe because his new film Climax is uh, just the talk of Can right now. Everyone's got a, an opinion on that movie at the moment. Yeah, it seems like it. All right. Well, uh, and then before we move on, uh, we also have our Patreon. Uh, if you like our podcast and you want it to keep going, we rely on your donations, of course, and uh, they really help us out. Uh, we, want, we have a lot of things that we want to do in the future for you guys. So go to patreon.com slash cinemaholics and consider donating at the rate of $2 a month. And uh, if you enjoy Cinemaholics as well, we have our spinoff podcast, Anyway, That's All I Got. They have a new episode out this week. Uh, they talked about the best non-Disney animated movies. It's a really great episode, and I, I personally appreciated it because they excluded all Disney Pixar movies, and they really focused in on some some great animated films that you might not have seen and some that you might have seen that you want you might want to revisit. Uh, they also had a very int- a spirited debate about Spirited Away that it's definitely worth listening to. And... Uh, so that's anyway, that's all I got. That new episode is live right now. And uh, last thing, uh, you know, we, ha- well, I think it's safe to say we had some trouble figuring out what to talk about for our featured review this week. We we, we yeah, threw it back mildly. to you guys. Yeah, very mildly. We, uh, we didn't know if we should review Life of the Party. We weren't sure if you guys were interested enough in that film. We weren't sure if you'd be more interested in breaking in. And uh, we kind of... We, we, we asked you guys straight up, you know, do you want us to do like a topical editorial episode? And we got some interesting reactions. Um, one was, uh, I think someone asked if we could do like a, an episode about unpopular opinions. And uh, I think someone, I think I might've suggested like, oh, maybe we could do like a, let's talk about Star Wars since Solo's coming out. All kinds of stuff was thrown out. Yeah. I mean, we could have done a million different things, but I guess, well, we're at this awkward time right now with the summer where everyone wants to stay out of uh infinity wars way until deadpool 2 comes out Mm -hmm. so last week we got lucky because there was a critically acclaimed like indie darling movie coming out that we could excitingly talk about this week it was just two movies that weren't really on anyone's radar they weren't getting good press they weren't really getting much attention in general so it was just kind of a toss-up for what we decided to do and by listener demand to put it i guess loosely (laughs) yeah we did uh, a twitter poll for the party yeah, we did a Twitter poll, and a lot of you voted between Life of the Party and Breaking In. If you ever want to be involved in our Twitter polls, by the way, just uh, you can follow We Got This Covered Cinemaholics on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter, at John O'Groney. And, uh, we put that out to you guys for a day, and I think Life of the Party won by a pretty decent margin. And I chalk that up to probably people just really like Melissa McCarthy, or there's that brand awareness, I guess. And uh, not as many people, I think, are familiar with Gabrielle Union. So, And then maybe people would just genuinely thought it looked like a more interesting movie. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I guess these are both summer, re- or not summer, uh, Mother's Day releases. Yeah. And I guess for Mother's Day, I guess more people wanted to laugh than get scared or super tense. Which I but get. I think they both did pretty well. I, I even checked the box office numbers. That for, is the uh, nice thing about recording on a Monday is that uh, we actually can look in hindsight how both films did, and they both did pretty well. They actually are almost neck and neck at the box office. Life of the Party uh, did a little bit more internationally because it was released in more theaters, uh, but it made about $18 million. Uh, domestically, which is pretty good. I mean, for the kind of movie it is, I mean, I, I haven't really looked at how that performs against uh, Tammy and The Boss, which are the two previous Melissa McCarthy films directed by her husband, Ben Falcone. And, uh, but Breaking In did really well. As, uh, it actually made $16 million at the box office, which is a hit for this film because it only cost yeah. $6 million to make. So it more than doubled its, you know, right. its production budget. But, I mean, I'm assuming that Breaking In isn't going to have a lot of legs. I mean, I, I think it's going to make a little bit more money at the box office, but it's not going to last very long, I think, at first-run theaters. Yeah, I mean, for me personally, the only reason I was rooting for Life of the Party is just because I had a screaming, screening for it and I didn't have a screening for Breaking In. Mm-hmm. So I was just like... If we do Life the Party, I don't have to go out of my way this weekend. So that's a win for <laughs> right. me. I saw both. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll get into it. But uh, I, I really wish we could have talked about Revenge. Revenge is a film that hit limited release. We briefly talked about it. Uh, I, th- I think for two reasons, Revenge, it's another like critical acclaimed, critically acclaimed movie 
that uh, I was supposed to see on Saturday, and I unfortunately I had to miss my screening. But uh, unfortunately, Will, it wasn't in your area, so we were like, okay, so we can't, you know, do an indie movie. Uh, and also, I think that it's tough to just do indie movies on this show because so many people can't see it. It's hard to make that our featured review. But we would have liked to. It would have been fun, I think. Yeah, Who maybe. Knows? Maybe we can find a way to see it next week or something. I don't know, but. Yeah, it should I, be I've heard up. good things. I've heard great things, and it, it you know, who knows? I, I, I'm going to try to catch it this week, and we can at least do it in our mini reviews for next week. Uh, I, I definitely want to talk about some more indie movies, but we'll get all to we'll get to all that stuff. Let's let's dive right into our featured review for Life of the Party. This is uh, as we've already said, it's a new comedy. It's a studio comedy, obviously. Uh, it was directed by Ben Falcone, co-written by him and Melissa McCarthy, uh, the husband wife duo that have made such films as Tammy and The Boss. And uh, we'll talk about what we think of those movies. Uh, although I, I honestly, well, I haven't seen either of those movies. I have gone out of my way to not watch those films. And okay. uh, so I'm not, I'm not a great person to talk about Melissa McCarthy movies because I, I, guess... I sincerely have written off a lot of her films at this point due to certain films I've seen from her that I just am not interested in. Yeah, I guess that explains your reaction to Life of the Party without getting into oh, yeah. what you thought. But if you <laughs> hadn't seen the first two films they made, that that explains a good amount to me. Well, you have a lot of credibility in this department. Um, so let's let's get into it. Uh, the film stars Melissa okay. McCarthy, Molly Gordon, Gillian Jacobs, Maya Rudolph, Julie Bowen, Matt Walsh. Uh, wasted. Uh, Debbie Ryan, uh, that Disney channel. Uh, and speaking of wasted, Stephen Root and Jackie Weaver are in this for some reason. Um, but okay, this is a film about a newly divorced mother who returns to college to complete her degree, only to end up enrolled in her daughter's classes. All right, Will Ashton, uh, yeah, get, let's get into it. What did you think of Life of the Party? And uh, give us an update. I mean, where are you at with uh, this creative duo and the, their, their films together? Well, as you alluded earlier, I have seen all three films they have written and directed together, or at least worked on together. Uh, I I saw Tammy a couple years ago, and I remember it being like not good, but it it didn't really like strike me as offensively bad. It was just kind of like a mundane studio comedy that just came out in the middle of summer. I think it was like around like Fourth of July weekend, and mm. it just didn't really make much of an impression on me. Uh, the Boss was a movie I thought was downright bad, like really bad. Probably one of her worst comedies, and uh, I was going into this one pretty nervous because of that. And I can't say I really enjoyed watching life of the party, but I didn't have such a violent reaction. Like I've seen some people have towards it. I don't know. I guess to, well, when I say violent, I mean like a lot of people tend to have, I guess kind of a strong opinion when it comes to bad comedies. Mm -hmm. And when it comes to this particularly not good comedy, I don't have that strong of an opinion on it. I think mainly because it, it seems like it's kind of sweet in its own weird weird sort of way. It, it, it has very low ambitions. Uh, the plot is threadbare. The characters are one-dimensional, especially the supporting characters. But I don't know. It just seems like it's it's coming from a sincere place of passion and love. And I, I can tell that they care about these characters, however thin they might be. And I do think Melissa McCarthy has a real charm to her where she can make even like the most bare characters seem fairly warm and sincere and i think that's felt throughout this movie i I feel like her main character here is it's not really much of a character but she brings a certain personality to it that makes me and maybe not enjoy watching but tolerate it i guess that's where i stand on i tolerate this movie and i know you do not well i think my main issue with it is that it wants to have sort of this fake edgy humor and also have this that. like warm, empowering message. Well, yeah, I mean, it's a PG-13 movie. I don't think it really goes far on the crude jokes, but at, at times it does. And honestly, if, if they had gone a little bit more, and I hate to say this, but if they had gone a little bit more in spy territory, I, I think that it would have made, made a little bit more sense for like what they're going for. But what they're going for is I'm, just so tame that yeah. I, I just don't... And I just I sort of chalk it up to... I just think that those are the kinds of movies that Ben Falcone and Melissa McCarthy want to make. And if that's what they want to make, okay. I just, to me, that's just not a good recipe. It's, it's like, you know, chocolate chips and, uh, you know, toothpaste, you know, I, I guess some people would call that mint chip, which I love. So that's probably, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> toothpaste and orange juice. It's just edgy humor with like really warm, sweet. 
I, the way that they're doing it, I, it does not work for me at all. And maybe it would work if it was a funny movie, but this is one of the most unfunny movies I've ever seen. Like, I just don't, I'm just going to get this out of the way here. Melissa McCarthy, I just don't get it. I, I just don't understand what people find so funny about her brand of comedy. She just rambles and says things kind of, you know, elongated at times. And then she's kind of chirpy. None of none of the jokes written for her are funny. None of her improv is funny. And, you know, her filmography, I'll admit, I haven't seen a lot of her movies. Uh, the ones I have seen, though, I've been bored to tears. Uh, Ghostbusters. I think one of the main problems with Ghostbusters is that they try they put the camera on Melissa McCarthy a lot to try to just be funny. And she just talks, and I think we're supposed to laugh. I think it's supposed to be funny, and it isn't. And it just irks me. Like, it just irks me that this is, like, what filmmakers consider comedy and that audiences, I just think, it, it reminds me of just, like, a laugh track is going. You might as well have them in these movies because it's, like, the movie is trying to tell you that this is funny because it's supposed to be funny, but there's nothing clever about it. There's nothing witty about it. I think the only comedic role i've seen her in that i thought was funny that i thought was well realized and inspired was bridesmaids i don't think anything in the last seven years has been nearly as good i know people disagree people really love spy i do not like the movie spy i just i just again i there's nothing about that movie that i just i was watching it and it was like what am i watching here this is just she's just yelling profanity why is that supposed to be funny and it's just it's subjective i get that some people find that humorous and i can't really you know I can't really speak to that, but for what it's worth, I do want to see her movie. Can you ever forgive me? That actually looks like something where she's being, you know, utilized well. And, uh, I know she has, a. isn't she part of the happy time murders or is she just, a yeah, she's a lead, I believe. Yeah. And I, I agree with you. I really want to see, can you forgive me? I think that looks like a fantastic film. And that goes into my theory that, I don't know. I mean, as successful as she has gotten as a comedic actress, I feel like she's really good as a dramatic actress. Like, if you ever see the movie The Nines with Ryan Reynolds, no, she's fantastic in that film. And I think, like, for instance, there's a movie she did a couple years ago uh, called Identity Thief, which is a terrible movie. Well, like, yeah, one of the worst comedies also, I've ever seen. Well, wasn't The Nines the same screenwriter for that? I think it was John uh, The Nines August. was John August, I believe, the guy who wrote, oh, um, like, and Big Identi- Fish and stuff. Yeah, and Identity Thief was Craig Mazin, wasn't it? Yeah, like, they're, that's, they're that best was, friends. You know, wait, no, 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 wait. Um, well, yeah, Craig Mazin wrote, I think, Identity Thief, and it was yeah. directed by the guy who did like Baywatch Seth and yeah. So, yeah. but um, I, I, I just confuse Craig Mazin and John August because they're screenwriters who are very close. Like they do the Script Notes podcast. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> Sorry, I just um, when I think of those two, I, I love John August and Craig Mazin. I think they're wonderful screenwriters, but Identity Thief, uh, I'm just not a fan of. I have a lot of respect for Craig Mazin. I also don't think his screenplays, as far as I've seen, have been very good. Oh, okay, that's a shame to hear. Well, no, I mean, I think he's—I I think he's a funny guy. Like, I, I think his Twitter's really funny when he's making fun of Ted Cruz. But, <laughs> oh, that's right, because he's uh, his like roommate or something. Yeah, but I haven't seen, like I can't think of a single screenplay he wrote that's like actually a good film. Okay, well, I mean, do you, obviously, I'm just assuming you didn't like The Hangover Part Two. Not really, no. Okay, all right. Well, I mean, Did I really, you? <laughs> no, I mean, I, I honestly, you know, didn't. I think he, he helped out with Don't Think Twice, didn't he? I don't think he has like mm, a. I didn't a hear soul. about that, but he might have. I, I don't think I, he has like a writer's credit, but I think that he was like a creative collaborator with Burbank. Yeah, but I, maybe. I, don't I wanna, mean, you know, I know he like wrote like Scary Movie Four. He, that might and be his he also, best film. He wrote the best Scary Movie, which was Scary Movie Three. Did he write Scary Movie Three? Yeah. He totally did, um, and I. Okay. I think that's that is the best scary movie. <laughs> I I don't know. I, I I give him a little bit of credit. I I, I think you're right because I mean, if you really think about it, the Hangover movies that he worked on are the worst, obviously. And, and he wrote Identity Thief, which is yeah, a terrible. I think he. Did, hey, we're getting way he, off. I think he did that Huntsman movie. I don't. Uh, I, I don't he, have to look at it. I don't, I yeah, he, he his done. screenplay uh, resume is not very good, but John anyway, August it, is great. So yeah, no, John August is fantastic, but. Anyway, if I can get back to my original point here. Um, what are you talking about? Yeah, so with Identity Thief, the reason I brought it up is because that movie is just really, really bad. And, like, the reason that movie is really bad is because her character is, like, very one-dimensional. And you're supposed to sympathize with her, but she's, like, one of the worst people ever. Hmm. In that movie, she's, like, a, someone who steals many people's identities. She's, like, loud and crude and just – there's nothing really redeeming about her for most of the movie. 
But she has like this one scene that's like a very dramatic scene towards the very end of the film. And it's it's written not very well and it's it's just a really not good scene, but she like brings so much emotion, dramatic uh, prowess to that scene that it, it you feel for it. And it's a really a testament to I think her acting as a dramatic actress. That yeah, when she stops trying to be funny, I think that's when I enjoy her the most, including in Life of the Party. There's a scene where she is kind of dealing with her with the Matt Walsh character, her divorced husband, where she reacts he's just being a monster to her. Yeah. And like she's not trying to be funny for like a couple of minutes. And I thought it was the most effective scene in the film. No, I, I think those are like really when she's at her best. And I feel like that's the problem with a lot of her like comedies that like a lot of them, with the exception of uh, you know, like you said, Bridesmaids. I like Spy personally. I think that's a good film, and I enjoy Ghostbusters. It's it's not a well made film, but I I find it funny enough to tolerate. I know we disagree on this, but uh, I I would say that the biggest issue I've noticed with a lot of her comedies is that they just don't really have that focus. And I guess especially with her her husband directing the movies, they tend to kind of ramble because she he doesn't really ring her in. He just kind yeah. of lets her. Get- yeah, this movie really is all over the place. There are a lot of set pieces. There's no plot or narrative here that really threads everything together. You know, it just is a lot of like moment to moment. It's just like this is not much of a plot besides she goes back to college and it's like, well, if you're going to be doing this is a this is something we've seen in how many movies since the 80s. You know, you got to you got to do something a little bit more unique, I think. Yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be like a scene like where like her roommate is like this like sheltered girl that doesn't go outside she's uh heidi something from snl heidi gardner yeah yeah and like there's like not really a joke there it's just that her yeah. introvert and then like the like the comedy would just be like her just like talking out of it and it seems like her style communist movie is like supposed to be like a mom who like like your friend's mom who just like says kind of quirky things and then you just kind of laugh about it later but like that's not really a lot to sustain a 90 minute to two hour film that's just like right, and what they're going for, right, is to be okay. Like this is a mom daughter relationship that isn't like it's not just about the mom always embarrassing the daughter. Which I was like, okay, I'm I'm on board for something like that because that's usually what the case is. But really, it's about this mom and daughter kind of navigating life together. Uh, you know, the the mom, you know, kind of she's rebounding and she's trying to like and you know kind of give her daughter a little bit more wisdom. But that it's a very trite storyline without any real twists to it. And well, there's one. It, it's a little bit too, to me, it's just a little bit too like, you know, fuzzy without any sort of like, that's the thing. It just, it doesn't jive with the edgy humor of like, we have to believe that this mom is like, you know, having like public intercourse with like this much younger dude in the library and like lots of innuendo, but it's also like a, ah, oh, I feel so nice with your mom. And I'm like, who is this movie for? I I don't know that the focus well, you're talking I, I about is where I, for. It's for like moms in like their forty to sixties who just want something pleasant to see with their daughters. They want and they want. Well, I don't know if they would watch this with their daughters, honestly. I mean, well, I mean, I guess their, their I, that's daughters who it's intended for. I mean, yeah. I, I would say that's what the movie is made for. Yeah, I mean, there is sort of like the fantasy of the older woman, you know, with the younger man, and like, you know, I get it. It's not. It's not necessarily something that's. I think for you and me to enjoy, which is fine. Uh, I just, you know, I, I don't know. I, I can see this being a, a movie where even if it doesn't appeal to me directly, I could still enjoy it if it was funny enough or if it had a point to it that I thought was unique or worth telling. But I just don't see that here. Yeah, I mean, I guess we're I, I can completely agree with you that this movie is not good. Like it's not well directed. There's no real plot to it. Like the stuff that should be highlighted on like the mother daughter relationship really just doesn't really go anywhere, surprisingly. Like, there's no real, like, there's nothing that the movie, like you're saying, it's not really saying anything. It's just kind of existing. And I guess, though, what would make it really terrible for me if, if it was, like, somehow offensively bad or if it was, like, somehow offensive in general. And I just don't really get that from this movie. It's just, it's tepid to a fault, but I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, its whole aim is just to be pleasant and nice. And I can't really fault a movie for trying to just be nice. So I guess that's where I I can't really hate the film is that it's it's just it's tolerable enough to where I I don't feel like I completely wasted my time but I really do feel like it has to have more of a purpose than it actually does. Yeah, where I whereas I just I had a hard time sitting through this. I I just I wanted to leave the entire time. None of it was I, it just wasn't watchable 
to me. I, I just, and I think part of the thing I dislike about it is how it just perpetuates this like brand of comedy that I think is weightless and pointless and is self-gratifying where it's kind of feeding on itself because they know that they can just keep not do, making any much effort right on these scripts. And it just, it, kinda, you- it just, it offends me a little bit that like, there's just no cleverness. Like they're not even trying to be clever. They're not trying to have a script here that, is aspiring to anything. I think its ambitions are only to make a quick buck off of like a new quirk off of the Melissa McCarthy brand of comedy, which I think is weak already. Yeah. I mean, would you say it's like a vanity project for Melissa McCarthy? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I would go that far. I don't want to like, I don't want to say what their intentions are. And I guess I've done a little bit of that. I don't think that's cool. I mean, who knows what they're trying to do. If they're trying to make the best movie they possibly can, that's what they're doing. They think that this is the kind of movie that they think is the best that they can do. I think that's a shame, but you know, I, yeah, I mean, it's just not for everybody, I guess. Like I wouldn't, I wouldn't go as far to give this movie like a D grade because I don't think that like what it's trying to accomplish, it fails miserably or that it's offensively bad. Like you're saying, but I do think it's just inept in so many ways. And it kind of bugs me that I just don't think that the filmmakers even see or seem to like, after all of these movies, after all of these like misfires, they just don't seem to get that people don't, a lot of people don't like this. They just don't like this whole ad-libbing comedy thing in favor of like an actual screenplay where things connect to each other, where there's actual narrative depth and I don't know, just competent storytelling. And I, I don't know. It, it just makes me feel like it's all being ignored in favor of let's make a quick buck off of a comedy. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not going to say nobody likes this because I mean, while I was not really responding to the film, I know a lot of people around me in my audience, they were very much reacting and responding to this film. So I do think it's, I think it has an audience. I just don't think we're really in that audience. I don't know what your audience was like when you saw the movie, but they were really silent. I'm surprised to hear it. Yeah. Nobody was laughing. I mean, there's that whole scene with Steven Root and Jackie Weaver where I just was like, this is one of the most unfunny things. Like, that was really bad. That scene was really bad. What world is this? And like I, I, throughout the movie, I mean, I may have heard a couple of chuckles here and there, but the entire theater was like nothing the whole time. Yeah. It was sad. I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Like there were like moments in the movie where I could not hear the dialogue because the audience was laughing over it. So I don't know. I mean, my audience was really responding to the film. And I think there are people who are going to like it. I just, I'm not in the, I'm not in that camp like you. I don't think it's really a well-made film in any sense. And I don't think it's really that consistently funny at all. I mean, the only things I was really enjoying were, I mean, I thought Gillian Jacobs is always, she's always a delight to see on screen. Um, and what I did, was the I, payoff I did, for that character supposed to be, I, I, I don't know. It's just random. And like, what, why I just, was this here? I just like seeing her on screen. That's my whole point. Well, yeah, everyone loves uh, her, but go watch love, you know, if you want sure. to get your Gillian fix. Sure, yeah. Or, uh, yeah, I mean, there's basically anything else that she's in is probably better than this, to be fair. Um, and I also, I mean, I, I haven't seen the daughter before, but I thought she was fine. It seemed like she was spending most of the movie reacting to Miss McCarthy. Well, there were scenes where I thought, she, I was like, wait a minute, why isn't she, she was supposed to be, like, sad, and I think it would, like, take her a second or two to actually right, be yeah, sad. Right, yeah, that's what I mean. Like, <laughs> I'm like, whoa, what is this direction? There's no real depth to their relationship. No, it's just kind of there. Yeah, I, I also oh my goodness the the most the thing that really took me out of this entire experience was the mean girls in this movie. How how does this happen? Like how do you have like a middle school level group of mean girls, and, and especially after seeing a movie like Eighth Grade, where the mean girls in that movie were so much more believable and funny at the same time? I don't know. They're, they're, this movie just feels completely out of like relevance to me because yeah. it, it's, it's really leaning on like, we're just going to make this a lot like an eighties movie. And that's really what these college, these college kids unprovoked are looking at a woman in her forties sitting in a college classroom. And they're like, you're too old to be here. It's like, what century is this? Yeah. Like, I mean, I don't know if I'd say unprovoked. They, she was technically bothering her, but it wasn't like she was doing it intentionally, but Anyway, yeah, that that character that you're talking about, the mean girl, I, I forget the actress's name. She Debbie was a Ryan. Disney Channel star. Oh my goodness, she she's a pretty talented young actress. She but is. in this movie, yeah, I, it, I'd just, love to see Debbie Ryan in a good project, honestly. Yeah, she was um she was what pretty if? good in Every Day, what I saw, which I saw earlier this year. Um, yeah, I would like to see her in better things. And this character was super like just you know one note, 
just the main antagonist girl just because the movie felt like it needed antagonist. There really wasn't a need for her character at all, to be fair. I mean, I guess there could have been better ways to show that, like, she fell out of place. And I feel like they did that already by just having her, you know, be around a bunch of college students. But I don't know. I don't know. There are parts of this movie that feel like a wish fulfillment fantasy for the Melissa McCarthy mom. Right. You know? And there's nothing that ever challenges it. I don't think there are any moments in this movie where you're, it, I don't know, that it, it even it bothers to like have her learn something or to beyond the like, oh, I'm going to learn a little bit more about college, like these basic elementary school lessons about life instead of like, I don't know, a movie that like, if you're, if you're, if you're in this audience that finds this kind of movie funny, the least they could have done is actually had a message that was beyond like really obvious stuff, like get along with your daughter. Okay. Yeah. That's really nice movie that's i'm glad we could have a movie about that i will say that i thought this premise was done better and an extremely goofy movie uh, 15 waiting, years ago you've been waiting a while to say that i the yeah. family guy episode where brian um writes a writes like a really good drama for a tv series and they turn it into this premise starring james woods was better than this and that and in that episode of the show the joke was that they took like a decent premise and turned it into a he's going to the same college as his daughter what's gonna happen next you know what i also th- i also think of um that community joke with kugler <laughs> the kugler he's the one who gets the movie yeah i would love to see a kugler movie before oh, yeah. like the part two it's gonna happen eventually yeah uh the hashtag is spoken um yeah so that's that's life of the party final thoughts uh it's not good uh but i give it an a minus yeah okay yeah oh man that was a funnier joke than anything in the movie okay that's c minus the only a this movie's gonna get i guess uh, <laughs> uh for yeah, yeah i'm i'm uh i'm gonna give it a c it's it's too sweet to me to give it anything lower even though it probably deserves it but yeah i don't know i just i i, I I don't mind most McCarthy that much. I know people have a real intolerance for it at this point, and I can kind of see that. I, there are certainly movies she's done that are really insufferable, but this one isn't really that bad to me. It's just it's just more tempted and forgettable. So, yes, I'll give it a C. Let's keep that in mind when we talk about her next two movies, because they actually, I, like we said already, they look a little bit more promising. Um, and honestly, I, I'd like to give this movie a D, but I, I have to admit that, like, you, you, you said it. I mean... It, there is an audience and they're going to be entertained and yeah i mean it's it's where that's that's where i think uh we have to curve it here so i think it's going to be a perfectly fine red box rental for somebody sure. in four months well speaking of red box rentals let's talk about breaking in now i'm just kidding we're gonna talk about cobra cry first um that's a little teaser for breaking in which i honestly i i cannot believe that it is a theatrical release but it is actually it is better than life of the party uh, but I want to talk about something positive first. <laughs> Let's get okay. into our mini reviews. Cobra yeah. Kai. Uh, this is a new comedy slash drama uh, web series. But you know, don't sit, don't take web series as like oh, so it's like six minutes long and it's like before the office. No, this is a this is a legit like TV series that somehow is on YouTube Red. Uh, I will. Have you ever seen a a TV show from YouTube? Uh, I don't like I mean, besides like a web series that was like put on YouTube, I can't think of like an actual like a YouTube original show. Right, exactly. Besides yeah. this one. Same here. I've never had any interest in the ones that have come out. And it's been a couple of years since they've been putting these things together. But this is based on uh, the Karate Kid film series, uh, which was created by Robert Mark Kamen. And, you know, I rewatched the Karate Kid after I watched this show because I, I don't think I'd seen the Karate Kid for quite a while. Oh, yeah. And I, I think I only watched... I watched the first two movies a lot as a kid. I honestly, I don't remember watching the third one more than once or twice. What about you? Yeah, no, I was uh, just about to say it's my dad's favorite movie, um, but I've only seen it a couple times. Really? Uh, I, I, I've seen the second one. I think I've seen Is the third one the one with Hilary Swank? No, the third one is uh, the one where it's part three. 
Okay, yeah, I've seen that one. I haven't yeah. seen the one with Hillary Swank, the new the Karate, next Kid, Karate I think Kid. That's the only one I haven't seen because I've seen the remake too. I really like uh, the next Karate Kid. I mean, I mean, that was the one that I think that I grew up with the most because I definitely saw the original Karate Kid first as a kid, but I remember seeing the next Karate Kid in syndication a lot when I was like, you know, a little bit older because it was always on like ABC Family or whatever that was. Sure. But par- part three was like never on TV. So like I never really watched it much. Yeah. Yeah, I just remember watching it, but I don't have many recollections of it. Just that I've gotten the VHS in my machine and press play. There's something about a bonsai tree that they sell. Um, there's something about it. And I think there's another tournament. And it, it's like a lot of stuff from the first movie gets like brought back in. But I really love the second Karate Kid movie. That one's pretty good. Uh, I, I There are a few moments in that one that I'll never... Like, I'll never forget certain scenes from that, like when he goes to Okinawa. But... Anyway, Cobra Kai is a little bit different. Um, this is obviously, it's a continuation. Uh, it's a sequel, like it's a requel series for the Karate Kid franchise. It takes place 34 years after the original film. And it starts off with kind of a flashback of like, here's what happened at the end of the first Karate Kid. A lot of this show, like you only really need to see the first Karate Kid to kind of you know, have right. a very like competent understanding of who the characters are already. But I think that they've made this show in a way where you can honestly jump into this series without uh, ever having seen the Karate Kid or even having much cultural reference on it and kind of get who these characters are and why they are the way they are. Because there are a lot of flashbacks in this show. I think some people like that. I think some people hate it. I personally found it enjoyable and nostalgic. Uh, but this, what's interesting about this show is that it's told from mostly from the perspective of the character Johnny Lawrence, who was kind of the 80s bully character that Danielson uh, defeats in the original Karate Kid uh, with a classic illegal kick. Um, but this this series follows a rekindling of their rivalry. You know, they they had a very antagonistic relationship in that first film, and this series kind of tackles the idea of how perspective has shaped that rivalry in the years since. And it lends a little bit of humanity, but also a little bit of uh, understanding of the kind of, you know, the demons inside of this Johnny Lawrence character. And I find this show to be fascinating. I find it to be breezily accessible and just a real delight. I think that it it is a, a genuinely... Uh, a genuinely satisfying continuation of a movie that I personally really love a lot. And I'm all about this thing. I've seen the entire season. Will, you've seen a couple of episodes. What's your impression so far? Yeah, so you've seen more than I have, so I may speak out of turn, but uh, I thought it was pretty good. I'm I'm not quite in the love it train yet, but I am appreciating what it's doing. It's it's kind of a weird, like, eastbound and down version of the Karate Kid. (laughs) That's a good way to put it. Yeah, Saga, it's, like, kind of, like, following, like, the now loser guy who's, like, trying to get back into, like, his glory days of sports, and he's, like, now training this uh, neighbor kid of his, and it's neat. I mean, it's 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 a good premise. I just find that um, the writing kinds of, it's sometimes it's good, sometimes it's kind of weak, and then I feel like the acting between, um, I, I forget the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence, but... Well, I feel like there are certain of. moments where they, he he should be like a better actor for what the scene's trying to do. If that makes sense, like he'll like say some things and the line will read kind of stiff to me. Those, those early episodes, yes, some of the dialogue is painfully bad. <laughs> like they're just like I think I was like uh, messaging you some of the straight up dialogue that was happening. Right, it's it's, it's, it's weird. Yeah, but I mean, um, there's certainly potential in there. And it was nice to see both of them again, especially Ralph Macchio, who, like, one thing that really surprised me is not only have these guys, like, aged fairly well, I think it actually it's kind of a detriment to the show that um, the guy who plays Johnny Lawrence has actually aged pretty well because it doesn't really communicate well to his struggle as, like, a person. But uh, Ralph Macchio, he still has, like, that movie star charisma. And I find that yeah. he his moment, uh, especially, I think I liked the second episode more because it was focused more on him. Uh, just because I feel like he is generally, like, a pretty funny guy. He's able to do like these like sitcom beats pretty well, um, but yeah, I, don't know. I mean, I'm enjoying the show so far. I mean, I'm, it's not good enough for me to want to get YouTube bread, but it's enjoyable enough that I think if you're a fan of the series, you're going to get something out of it. Right. So I I already had YouTube bread, and so I I was going to watch it no matter what. 
And, you know, I haven't really fully confronted that. Like, what I, I think I would have kept going with it. I think I would have done, like, the free trial of YouTube Red just to watch this series. Because I, by the time I finished the second episode, I was really into it. After the first one, I was like, okay, all right. Like, I'll keep going, I guess. Like, I'll, I honestly think this is a show that gets better and better as it goes along. Um, because the world expands and expands. It really doesn't just follow Johnny Lawrence throughout. And there is just a great message in here. There's a great message for the Johnny Lawrence character and how his actions kind of influence everyone around him. I love the way that this show talks about perspective and the way that the way that characters sort of view each other and especially the rivalry between uh, Lawrence and LaRusso. The, the reasons that they hate each other, there are valid reasons for why he Johnny Lawrence is the way he is, why he was a jerk growing up, why he right. views Daniel LaRusso so poorly and negatively. And they could have, this could have been terrible. Like we should say, oh, like easily, this, yeah. this could have been so bad. This could have just been like a, uh, you know, this, this could have made Johnny Lawrence come out to sort of be some sort of sympathetic anti-hero kind of character. Whereas like, no, he was the right, he's right all along. Like we've, we've all read those fan theories of like the Joker was the real hero of the dark. Knight. Well, it's you know? funny you bring that up. Cause there is like a fan theory thing that Pat Oswalt wrote like a while ago, which I kept thinking about while I was watching the first two episodes is, his uh, giant Lawrence story. I don't know if you right. ever read that. And and how I met your mother kind of popularized that idea where uh, famously the, one of the main characters uh, played by Neil Patrick Harris, Barney Stinson. He, he's a huge fan of Johnny Lawrence. He's he, his friends don't understand. He was like, Oh, it's a great movie. Uh, it's about a guy who goes the distance and loses in the end, but he still wins at life. And they're like, <laughs> who are you talking about? Daniel Lusso wins. He's like, no, Johnny Lawrence. Um, so I think that there is like a cultural, you know, permeation of this idea that the karate kid, you could you could change the way you tell that story and it looks like johnny lawrence is the hero of it and i love that this show plays with that it does but it doesn't go fully into that camp of like well all along this is what we really meant to say with the karate kid no it's respectful of the karate kid legacy uh in a way where it actually explores the humanity that uh, i do think that they were going for in the original karate kid it's subtle but it's there the way that you know there is that moment where johnny is hesitant to sweep the leg and you can sort of see the way that like his sensei has sort of poisoned him and they take that premise from the first karate kid and i think that they genuinely spread it into a new story here that expands on it i get what you did there better yeah um (laughs) i i genuinely i love this series i'm not going to come out and say that it is like some sort of masterwork or anything like that. But I do think it's deeply enjoyable and I, I highly recommend you at least give the first few episodes a shot. I think it's worth getting a YouTube red trial because I, I just got a real kick out of it. Um, and I think you, I think you might too, right? There is some fun, there, there's just, there are just some fun episodes here and it, it's, it's quirky. It's kind of corny, but there were some things where I was like, man, this is kind of heavier than I was expecting. And uh, yeah, I love it. See, I was expecting it to get heavier in the first two episodes, and I guess they were doing more of the corny stuff at first, which is fine. I was expecting the corny stuff to come in because that's that's part of what Karate Kid is. That's kind of part of its yeah, charm, for sure. Its '80s charm. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm certainly curious to see it. I don't know when I'll see the next. I guess there's eight episodes. There's ten in ten. the season, right? Ten. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and I think it's like it's basically like a four-hour movie, right? Yeah. I mean, you could watch yeah. it in one sitting. Uh, the last right. episode is about. 30, 36 minutes. So okay. they, they go a little bit longer in that one, and I think rightfully so. But most of the episodes are about 20, 25 minutes. Yeah, so it seems like it's a pretty breezy watch so far. Sure. And so I'm curious. Yeah, I'm, I'll am i I'll be curious to check out the next couple episodes. I think it's worth it. That's Cobra Kai. If some of you have already checked it out, uh, let us know in the comments for this episode because uh, I, I want to know if I'm just nuts. And uh, <laughs> I just, uh, yeah, I need to know that. Uh, real quick, we can talk about Breaking In. Breaking In is a new film uh, starring Gabrielle Union. It is a thriller uh, directed by James McTeague. And uh, yeah, Will, you had no desire to come out and see this one. But I was uh, I was curious theaters, about it. no. Yeah, I, I was really curious about this one because James McTeague, I mean, it is kind of fascinating to me that he's gone from V for Vendetta to all of these smaller films that really just have had no impact. And I think, and sadly, this is another one of those films. Gabrielle Union helped produce this film. It follows a uh, mother who must protect her children after the mansion of her recently deceased father is invaded by burglars. And, you know, there's not a lot to get into this. I mean, Billy Burke uh, is the main villain here, and he's kind of a big reason why I think this movie ultimately doesn't work very well. 
Uh, he, uh, he, I guess he's probably most famous from Twilight, but I honestly, I, when I see him, I, I remember that show Revolution. Did you ever see that one? Mm-mm. No, was, I haven't. It was that show where like, you know, all electricity has been permanent. Oh, removed. the Giancarlo Espinito one. Yeah. Yeah. He's the main villain in that. And, uh, Billy Burke is like the Han Solo character. It's, it's a fun show. It's like two seasons. Uh, it's very much like they were going for like a star Wars kind of structure, but to a like kind of modern dystopia. And I, I, I thought it was fine. I, I kind of liked that show a bit, but I, uh, and he, he, especially, I was like, man, Billy Burke needs to be in more projects. Uh, I think he's a, he's a very talented actor. But uh, in here, uh, you know, the premise is exactly what it is. And this is the kind of movie where you have setup, 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 setup. Nothing happens. Very small payoff. Very small payoff. And then it's over. Uh, this is a very weird movie. Uh, it is. It's a kind of movie where things happen, like where Chekhov's gun does not matter, <laughs> because you see certain <laughs> things where you're like, okay, that that's it. That is a circular saw. What bonkers Liam Neeson nonsense is about to go down, and pff, the answer is nothing. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this is this is a movie that, for whatever reason, it should have been an R-rated, gruesome, mother knows best thriller maybe a little bit of gore and very hyper violent movie because that's what it's setting up to be like the first shot of it is a very violent act and it isn't it's just sort of gabrielle union is like kind of sneaky and you spend a lot of time watching characters not run into each other until finally they do very brief altercations a couple she does a couple of things that are sort of clever but not you know like she's smart yeah but you're really following like these three bad guys and you kind of have like a Billy Burke kind of plays this very neutral, passive boss guy. Who's he just honestly just seems bored the entire time. Uh, but he's very much like he like explains the plot the entire time. It's like, you are a mother trying to find her kids and your weakness is this. And I'm over here. And then you have this one, one henchman who is sort of like, man, we shouldn't be doing this. These are just kids. Let's get out of here. And then you have this other one who's just this complete opposite. He's psycho. He's like, let's just murder everyone. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, I'm in, I'm watching this. And this is a watchable movie. Will I, I will say that like, I actually, like I was with it the whole time. This wasn't life of the party where I was desperately yearning for the end. And this is a very short movie too. Uh, but it very much is not a movie that was meant for the theaters. It, it is the sort of film I would have expected to see, uh, you know, a, a Netflix, uh, you know, direct to uh, video on demand kind of film where re- really it's just sort of there. It, it sort of exists. There's nothing to, I mean, there's, there's no, there's really no story here. It's just full plot. You know, you, you have a mother, she, she tries to rescue her kids. There's no cohesiveness. There's no connection between, you know, she has this estranged relationship with her father. It's never really explained why it's never really explained like why she's so clever and able to do all these things. Like, you know, they don't have to have like a full on backstory. She doesn't need to be like a CIA former, you know, but they they don't even try Like, my thing is, if you're going to have a character who becomes hyper competent, then the idea then should be like, wow, she didn't even know she was capable of this. Right. But this movie isn't that she she just doesn't seem to have any sort of like wow i can do these things she just sort of is like well i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do and i don't know that just doesn't really make for a very interesting movie but you know it's watchable it's short uh it has its moments uh has a couple of uh laughs actually and uh you know i i would recommend it to somebody if they were desperate for a movie in the theaters and they didn't have a lot of options uh that's breaking in i gave it a c plus okay so it's not home alone for adults no, it really isn't. Because um, it's okay. the reverse, too, because she's the one breaking in. And... Oh, so it's reverse Panic Room. Yeah, exactly. It is reverse Panic Room, but Panic Room is a much better movie, um, yeah. weirdly enough. So that's breaking in. Well, tell us about this movie, uh, Terminal. What is this one? Okay. We talked about it briefly last week. I want to hear what you got. There, so. Yeah, so Terminal is, if I'm correct, it's the re- directorial debut of a guy named Von Stein. That's right. Uh, do you know who he is? Because I don't. Isn't he like a, a screenwriter or something? He's working Probably. on... Yeah. I mean, this is a very much like a a screenplay given... Like a playwright, uh, I think he is. Oh, a playwright. Yeah, that makes sense. Because there's a lot of scenes of characters talking in this movie. Mm-hmm. So I guess the bare outline of the movie is... Uh, there's a lot going on, actually. But the, so there's... Margot Robbie is in the movie, and she produces as well. And she is like this... 
waitress, stripper, assassin character. If I had an and ankle. she's connected to, like, these different personalities. So she's, uh, so there's, uh, okay, Simon Pegg, um, oh, I'm blanking on his name. The guy who just directed A the Eagle when he's doing Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, oh, on his name. oh, um, shoot. You're not thinking of Dexter Fletcher, are you? That's it, yes. Dexter Fletcher. I knew it was like a name that was kind of rhymy like that. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. And he has like a younger assassin who she forms a relationship with. And then Mike Myers is involved, which is the main reason I wanted to That's right. see the movie. I can't really get into his character because it would involve a lot of spoilers. But uh, the weird thing about this movie is that like it's basically just a project for Margot Robbie to do her thing. Because there's not really, like, as you can kind of tell, there's not really a lot of plot. And the plot's there. It's kind of just convoluted and very much like a pache of different like stylish noir dark comedies that we've seen elsewhere mostly in like the 90s and early 2000s um but the performances are good and there is some fun dialogue to be had here especially because the performances seem to relish it but it's also a kind of movie it seems to think it's more clever than it actually is so like the terminal is like it's used both ways like simon pegg's like this guy who's like dying and he's like trying to figure out what he should do as far as his death with Margot Robbie and he's like in a terminal. So he's like a terminal man, a terminal and stuff like that. And there's like a lot of stuff where the movie's like clearly like patting itself on the back for coming up with other stuff. But yeah, no, it it just kind of came across a big smug to me and it, it it really wasn't really super entertaining to watch. It's easy to get kind of bored throughout this movie. Um, but I don't know. I mean, if you, if you really like Margot Robbie, it's, it's fine. It's not, she's certainly good in it. And, I mean, I was happy to see Mike Myers in a movie again. This is the first time he's done a movie since 2010 with Shrek Forever After and his first live-action movie uh, since Inglorious Bastards. So it was fun to see him again. And they, they kind of play on his image as far as, like, a guy who has under-heavy prosthetics and stuff like that. Um, but overall, it's really not much to write home about. And I can't really see anyone enjoying it unless you kind of like movies like The Boondock Saints. So... I don't know. I'll give it a C plus. Okay, I, I've heard it compared to uh, Tarantino, but like not. Yeah, in a good way. that's an easy comparison. I, I was trying yeah. to avoid that, but <laughs> I was trying to avoid to be so cliche. But yeah, twenty two percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, it's oh, not. It's not going well with critics. What it was, was it at when you saw it? What, what was it at when you saw it? Oh, 11 percent. Oh wow. Oh well, it doubled. Um, yes, yeah, so doubled. It's a hit. <laughs> I, I said it last week. I'll say it again. Margot Robbie needs a new agent. Um, she is much better than the films that she's getting cast in. Um, that's all I'll say about that. Yeah, I mean, she produced this one, so she had some creative control over it. So uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I don't. I don't know what. I don't know. I don't know. I think this is the first time she's produced a movie too. Is it? Should she not have I producer credit on like twenty six? So I mean, like, I don't think she's produced a ton of movies what so about far. But focus. I bet you she has uh, some creative clout with uh, the uh, Harley Quinn movie that they're doing. Oh, they, yeah, sure. They announced this week, I think, that they're turning Birds of Prey and Gotham City Sirens. I think that they're kind of putting that all together or something. And she's going to be like, yeah, it's gonna be she was the one that picked the director, I think. Yeah. So like, if, so she, I, I don't know. I don't know if she gets like official producer credits, but you can definitely tell that she she has a way of, uh, you know, she has a way of contributing to big decisions, uh, big picture stuff for her movies, probably because I think she's just, she's just a very charismatic, competent person, uh, competent actress. And in this case, I guess it didn't work out. I mean, there's no doubt she's going to be one of the biggest stars on the planet. If she's not there already, she's, she's getting there. Yeah. Huge. Uh, and this movie, it's it's a good showcase for proving that she's a charismatic, talented young actress. But I think most people know that already. But if you want to see that proven again, then I guess you can check out Terminal. But otherwise, you're really not going to miss much unless you're a Mike Myers ex- uh, obsessive like me who has to see everything he does. <laughs> That's right. Uh, quick plug for your podcast. It ain't ogre till it's ogre. Yeah, we're not going <laughs> to do this one for 12 times a year. I can guarantee okay. that. Okay. Uh, for those of you who don't know, Will does a, a, a podcast called It Ain't Ogre Till It's Ogre, where he and his friend Matt, uh, they they spent their first season one, you guys watched Shrek, the original Shrek, once That's a right. month and talked about it. Uh, so you did 12 episodes of that. And in year two, you're now doing The Cat in the Hat, another Mike Myers <laughs> film. And yep. uh, you're about five episodes in, I want to say. 
Uh, four. We four are going to record five pretty soon, probably next week. There's a bonus episode where it's nothing. Well, that was our April Fool's episode, yeah. Right. That kind of that made me angry. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's Terminal. Um, last, we have Dear White People Season 2. I, I talked a lot about Dear White People Season 2 last week. Um, but at that point, I had seen about six, maybe seven episodes. I finished Season 2 um, briefly after that. And I just wanted to bring it up, kind of looking at it as a whole. Uh, and I should do the same thing once I finish Barry. Uh, I haven't finished the the season, but the season finale for that just happened. And we yeah, also have to talk about oh, same here. And we also have to talk about Silicon Valley, uh, which is about which I think ended, but I haven't seen the last episode. So next week we'll get into that. But Dear White People season two, I had to finish it. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful show. I just. I said a lot last week for why I think more people should watch it. I just want to echo even further that I think it's one of the best shows on TV right now. And it, it, it really, the last couple of episodes really did something, I think, to kind of cement, I think, its status as one of the most dramatically inspiring shows uh, on the air in terms of just the way that it can make you laugh one moment and then it can make you think the next. And just the, there is an episode where it's just two characters um, the, the main character played by Logan Browning and her love interest, who is a kind of, he's a white teacher's assistant. They've had a romantic relationship and the entire, it's a bottle episode. And the entire episode is them just arguing with each other about racism. And if you hear that, and that makes you uncomfortable to hear that, this is the show for you. You should watch a show like this because it is going to make you uncomfortable. And I, I think that's good. I like it when shows wear their convictions on their sleeve. And that is the show. And it's the kind of thing where it even pays, it even draws attention to the people who would watch this show and just be like, this is just annoying. Um, there, are, there are characters in a show that are like that and they aren't villainized. They're just sort of there. And I, I just really appreciate Justin Simeon's vision for this. And I really appreciate his boldness and tackling something that people don't want to hear about this right now. People don't want to be told that like racism in America is a problem and this is a show that does it in an entertaining way. It does it in a way with humor and sarcasm, with drama and emotion. And I just, I love it so much. And I, I'm really, I'm really excited to see what they do with season three. And uh, there, there was another thing to uh, a show that I like was just renewed for another season. And I'm blanking on what it is. I probably shouldn't have even brought it up. But uh, in, in a it? week where we faced a lot of like cancellations, um, you know, Brooklyn Nine-Nine was canceled and uh, Last Man on Earth. Uh, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, I always really enjoyed that show and uh, Good News also got canceled. Um, which one? Well, it got renewed by NBC. Wait, Brooklyn Nine-Nine did? Yeah, you didn't hear that? No, I, I totally missed it. I was completely off the grid this weekend. Okay, so. well, yeah, yeah, it's Brooklyn Nine-Nine got brought back to life by NBC. All right, well, there you go. It's a reverse Scrubs. Because I guess Scrubs got yeah. canceled by NBC and renewed by ABC. So that's good to hear. Um, um, yeah, but uh, Ages of S.H.I.E.L.D. just got renewed today. Is that what you were thinking of? No, but uh, I am excited about that because I'm a big Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. fan. And I think that's a very – it's a bonkers show. But <laughs> I think it's it's very rewarding to people who stuck with it. Um, yeah. Well, Humans got canceled, though. Oh, no. What a shame. Oh no! Yeah, well, what oh, are we gonna do with ourselves? Cobra Kai—that's the show. <laughs> Cobra Kai is oh, yeah, that's, for a second yeah, that's, season, that's right. and I forgot to mention that. Um, and I think deservedly so. And uh, yeah, so that's Dear White People season two. Uh, we weren't going to talk about This Is America, uh, the music video, just because. Oh, we are. I don't, uh, well, I didn't think we were going to because it's a music video. Uh, we I, we also we we talked about maybe bri- briefly bringing that up in uh, Dirty Computers. Um, so I, I actually before we I don't want to bring any up or talk about any of that stuff without Maverick because I think he's the, he's a bit more of the authority when it comes to like music and he has a good opinion on this I think or he's a very great take uh, but I do want to tease that for next week as we kind of get into our coming soon so if you're wondering like why aren't they talking about this this is like a cultural moment uh, I think well yeah, it's safe I'd, to I'd say like to talk about that yeah I think I think it would be worth talking about because it's a very both of those are very uh, important things I think to to talk about for sure uh, artistically so. But okay, let's get into our coming soon and close out the show. Uh, first up, we have Deadpool two. Uh, obviously, you know it's the big movie coming out next week. Uh, we'll for, we'll be for sure doing a whole review for that. Uh, it's from 20th Century Fox, and it's of course the sequel, uh, starring Ryan Reynolds. Uh, the cast includes Josh Brolin as Cable, uh, Miranda Pekarin is coming back, uh, T.J. Miller, I guess. 
and uh, really, really big, uh, really big ensemble here. Uh, they really found a way to like get a lot of extra characters in there to round about the movie. I'm excited to, t- to talk about this one. I've heard great things uh, as somebody who kind of was like a little bit lukewarm on certain aspects of the first Deadpool, but I still found it wickedly funny. And I've heard that this one is even funnier. Uh, I-, I couldn't be more excited. Uh, I hope you are too, Will. Well, I mean, I've seen it, but oh, yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> I'm excited to talk about it. There but, you yeah. go. Yeah, all right. So uh, no spoilers on Will's reactions to the movie yeah. quite yet. Uh, Will, there's another movie coming out, Show Dogs. Tell us about it. Oh, boy. Uh, I better hold back my uh, excitement and anticipation for this yeah, one. calm down, Will. Yeah, so um, this is the new, uh, I guess it's a studio called Global Road Entertainment. Yeah, it's a family new. comedy with a bunch of people. Will Arnett is the like live action personality as well as Natasha Leone, I think is in it as well as, and then there's like Ludacris, a bunch of other people. I, I couldn't even name them off the top of my head, but it's like a dog. It's like miscongeniality with dogs. I think something like that. Am I, am I correct in that estimation? Basically? Yeah. It's a family comedy. It's yeah. It's for the, the kids who are, you can't wait for Incredibles too. And it's time to, you know, take the kids to the theater yeah. kind of thing. As the studio behind Hotel Artemis, which is a fun-looking yeah. movie coming out. I really want to so, see that. Yeah. So, I don't know. We'll see what happens with Show Dogs, but I don't think it's going to be any good. But who knows? Are Maybe you planning on seeing it? It's the of the summer. Who knows? Are you, are you going to see it? Oh, I probably not. I mean, me neither. I, I wasn't planning on it. So, uh, if Unless you get like a last-minute screening, I yeah. might, but I don't think so. Let us know if any of you listeners check it out. Um, another movie in that vein. I have no interest in this one. This one's called Book Club. Uh, this is our last wide release of the week. Um, this is oh, yeah, a I see it tomorrow. Film. Okay, cool. So you're going to see that. Uh, this one stars Diane Keaton and Jane Fonda and a few others. Uh, it's it's about a, a group of friends who've been reading Fifty Shades of Grey in their monthly book club. It's kind of like the uh, the the over forty fem- female crowd uh, of Tag, basically, <laughs> um, where it's just about a group of friends who you know connect over something they love. Um, yeah, but Candace Bergen is in this, and Mary Steinberg. Everybody loves Mary Steinberg, and Craig T. Nelson is in this, and Andy Garcia. It's it's an interesting cast, and uh, I'll be curious to hear what you think of it. Well, yeah, I don't really have much as as far as anticipation goes, but I I think it could be fun. I mean, I like the cast, sure. and I guess the premise funny. is cute. So we'll see. Yeah, looks looks interesting enough for the audience. I haven't seen any for. trailers, but who knows? I've seen a couple, uh, weirdly enough, and uh, yeah, they, they don't do it for me, but I can I can see the audience for this. Uh, First Reformed is uh, one of, uh, we've got a few limited releases. Two of them are from A24. The first one is First Reformed. Uh, This one played at SF Film Fest, but I wasn't able to catch it, unfortunately. But it was directed by Paul Schrader, who is a legendary screenwriter. He's the screenwriter behind Taxi Driver, Raging Bull. He's directed a few films, but he's not really known for his uh, directorial credits. Uh, But First Reformed, uh, this one stars Ethan Hawke. Uh, It premiered last year at Venice, and uh, it also played at Telluride in Toronto. And, uh, you know, the, most of the reviews I believe are basically positive, but they're a little bit mixed, but I've heard, I've heard good enough things that I want to check this one out as soon as I can. Uh, Ethan Hawke plays a, uh, a middle-aged parish pastor at a small Dutch reform church in upstate New York, and he deals with a spiritual identity crisis. Uh, this film also includes uh, Amanda Seyfried, Michael Gaston, uh, Cedric the Entertainer is in this, interestingly, and a few others. So, uh, I, I definitely want to show dogs too. Who? Cedric? Cedric the Entertainer. I didn't see him on the list, but uh, maybe? I don't think. Maybe Maybe I'm thinking of someone else, but I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I didn't pour over the cast list for Show, Do- yeah. show Dogs. I saw Ludacris, <laughs> and I was like, I get it. <laughs> but yeah, I want to check this one out for sure. Uh, what else we got? Uh, How to Talk to Girls at Parties. This one also premiered at S- – or not premiered. It played at SF Film Fest, and I, didn't, I wasn't able to catch this one either, but I heard terrible things. What is this one about, Will? Yeah, I, I'm disappointed to hear that because I heard the same thing about cons last year. Yeah, this is the new um, John Cameron Mitchell movie. If you don't know John Cameron Mitchell, he did Hedwig and the Angry Inch, Short Bus, uh, Rabbit Hole with Nicole Kidman a couple years ago. Actually, I think it's like close to seven years old now. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's his new movie, and it's based on a Neil Gaiman book. It might be a short story, actually. Uh, and it has uh, Ellie Fanning, Matt Lucas, Ruth Wilson, Nicole Kidman again. Tom Brooke, uh, Alex Sharp from uh, what's what's the play he's in? They won a Tony for Alex Sharp. I don't know. Okay, I, I thought there was like a noteworthy play that he did that he won a Tony for. Was it Curious Case or Curious Incident of the Dog in the Nighttime, or is that someone else? I don't know. I don't, yeah, I've never. I know he's won a Tony, but uh, I've never really looked into Alex Sharp before. Interesting. Enough. Okay, yeah. Or was it Dear 
Evan Hansen. I don't know. I, I know he's pretty popular in the Broadway scene, hmm. but he's in this. Um, and it, it's like a it's a weird like sci-fi coming of age story where it's the 70s and there's this boy in London and uh, he meets like an alien and they have like this kind of punk rock relationship. And it seems fun, but apparently premise. the reviews are saying otherwise. Yeah, the premise is strong. I, I wonder why it's not connecting with people. I still want to give this one a shot, but uh, Maybe, yeah, my enthusiasm uh, it, has been dimmed. What was that? I said I, I do want to check this one out because the, the premise is so good. But I yeah, I think my enthusiasm has been dimmed a little bit by uh, a lot yeah, of reactions. You like, um, trust. you like Neil Gaiman, don't you? I really do. Yeah, I love American Gods and uh, I love a lot of his books. So uh, yeah, uh, and I love some of the shows, you know, like Lucifer. And yeah, mm-hmm. I, I, it's a shame to hear that this one's not working out. Yeah. All right, uh, well, and then last yeah. up, we've got On Chessel Beach. Uh, this is our last uh, film on our radar. This is a, an indie drama from Bleecker Street. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of interested in this one. It's a new movie starring Saoirse Ronan, kind of hot off her Lady Bird uh, oh, success. Really? Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's set in England. It's a, in the 1960s. So it's a kind of an interesting period for England, actually. And uh, it's about a young couple and they're exploring their sexual freedom, but they're dealing with like societal pressure as we tend to see in kind of English dramas. And uh, they have like an awkward wedding night and that's kind of where the plot sort of kicks in. Um, Billy Howell plays her fiance and uh, the rest of the cast is very strong. Emily Watson, uh, Samuel West, Amory Duff, and uh, Adrian Scarborough and a few others. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this one. It's from uh, Dominic Cook. He is a, a well-known stage and theater director. Uh, this is his, his is actually his first film he's directed, um, but he's worked on the show Hollow Crown before. And uh, the screenplay is uh, definitely one to look out for because it was written by Ian McEwen, who actually wrote the novel for it. So it's, it's very much a passion project. Oh, the atonement guy. Yeah, and uh, this movie, it, it, it premiered, uh, I believe it premiered at Toronto, and it played in London Film Festival, and uh, I've heard great things, so uh, I'm going to try to check this one out, uh, but just this does kind of feel like the movie that's not going to get a lot of play, even though it's from Leaker Street. Uh, I feel like I'm probably going to have to check this one out on demand uh, when it's Maybe. available. So, Yeah. Unless it's like a Steven Soderbergh movie, they tend not to get wide releases. So. Right, right. But that's it. A lot of movies coming out, but uh, we'll we'll be excited. We're, we'll we'll let you guys know what we're going to cover in mini reviews. But obviously, we'll be talking about uh, Deadpool two uh, for our main review next week, and uh, that'll do it for this week's episode. Uh, if you love our show, don't forget to leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Stitcher, wherever you listen to us. And thank you for all of the ratings and reviews you've been leaving for us. Uh, we really appreciate it. You guys are amazing. Uh, hang out with us on our Facebook, Cinemaholics Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Twitter as well, at WGT Cinemaholics. And you can email us anytime. Uh, let us know if anything's bothering you. What's going on? Uh, lend us your feedback for anything going on with the show, Cinemaholics Podcast at gmail.com. We are not licensed therapists, however. That'll do it for us this week from the Internet California. I am John Agroni. And for the Internet Pennsylvania, I'm Will Ashen. For Soundmaster Maverick Hines, we'll be back next week. We'll see you next time. See you.